James, we've had another few requests from listeners to talk about the, um, the <laughs> there's been a lot of talk about this, uh, these bar graphs with, um, with T's put in instead of error, instead of error bars. This is, <laughs> what, yeah, this is a classic. Look, you think, you think you've seen everything when it comes to image manipulation, but this is something completely different. And for this particular image, you have your standard, um, bar plots with your error bars. And the first time I saw these people, someone said, look at this. And I looked at it. I'm like, oh, that's a bit weird. You have a lot of different means and the error bars are exactly the same. That's odd. But when you zoom in, the, <laughs> the, the error bars are actually T's. The authors. Yeah. yeah this is, <laughs> this is incredible. I mean, you ever seen anything like this, James? Um, in general, look, we, but there, there is a saying in the uh, little <clears throat> little sorority we have of uh, people who do error detection stuff and academic integrity stuff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that we only catch the bad frauds. We only catch the dumb <laughs> frauds. Yeah? Because it should be, if you were good at making things up, if you understood complicated scientific information very well. It should be very easy to fabricate it or to falsify it or to p-hack it very, very, very straightforwardly. And the idea that there's these howlers in the literature that can just be readily found and then communicated in a way where other people see it and go, oh, yeah, that is bullshit. (laughs) We saw that coming. it's it's something of a surprise to people sometimes, just how bad and obvious it is. But there's that, and then there's making your error bars tease <laughs> with serifs. Literal tease. Literal tease. And not in, like, uh, aerial computer where it's a perfectly straight line of pixels, with a perfectly vertical line of pixels. It's a T with serifs. <laughs> when you're doing that... You 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 might as well you might as well make the title of the paper. I did a science. It's something okay. else. Why, why not? Why not just go? I did a science. What about I have done work or whatever? That's a good alternative working <laughs> title. I'm surprised they didn't um they didn't ask the um the FBI to investigate people who have commented on this on um on Pubpeer, like another author has recently done. I think you you may have seen this. <laughs> You may this is just going to be an episode of talking shit about things you've seen that annoy you slightly, Daniel. This, this is, there's, nothing, this. there's nothing to be gained here. Yeah? I mean, look, uh, this, is, this again can be dealt with in 30 seconds. If you don't know what pub peer is, I mean, to a degree that's understandable, but if sure. you're a modern author, like, really, that should have happened. But if you need to ask people in public without, say, Googling it, um, in which case you'll find dozens of individual articles written about it over a period of nearly a decade. Um, you know, that's a missed opportunity not to look like a complete dimwit. Um, and then, you know, if you request for the authorities to become involved, then you're just a, just, I mean, you, you, you should be living in a fish tank, honestly. This is living in a fish tank point, really. Your contribution to global public discourse is glub, glub, glub. 
There we go. I mean, if you've got any more thirty-second takes from people who are annoying, I could do this the entire day. Yeah, that that that's it. But um, but yeah, the error bar thing. Um, I'll I'll post a link to this image. You have to see it to believe it. It's um, it's 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 something else. I, I haven't actually checked what the status of that paper is. Um, but it's it's under investigation. But I, I don't I don't really know what it, what there is to investigate. Really, isn't it in an MDPI journal? They'll probably give it an award. <laughs> uh yeah or uh, maybe it was a hindawi i'm not sure one, one, well, one of the two. two awards <laughs> <laughs> oh um okay <laughs> speaking of awards or, or or giving your yourself awards i want to talk about this uh a, a blog post that was um posted on inside higher ed and it has quite the headline and it starts the end of decency when self-promotion goes too far. And um, look, this is an interesting one because the, the, the author of this, uh, this particular post is making the argument that people are self-promoting too much and it's got to stop. And I, I think it's interesting to talk about this because especially as early career researchers, we do need to do this kind of stuff. I always get quite surprised. Well, I'm actually not even surprised by this anymore. But it, a lot of more prestigious unis in the um, in the US, somebody just does a very standard study, and and there's a press release. There's a whole there's a whole press team with a, with a glowing press release with with something that is is the, the, the sort of thing that you wouldn't think actually justifies a press release. So you have some people who have these resources to be able to promote their work, either whether it's their administration at university or whether it's senior folks that they work with but a lot of people don't have these sort of things and they need to be out there actually talking about their work yet we have uh, we have this uh, this person coming on going no this is too much it's okay to promote your work when you're at conferences um and and doing this in the past is fine particularly when you want a job but now now with uh, with social media People have the opportunity to talk about their work too much, and it has to end because it is the end of decency. James, I I was very interested to get your take on this because I would have thought that, you know, you're not one that's purely for self-promotion for self-promotion's sake, but I guess you would also understand the need for it. So I I honestly want to hear your take on this idea of how much self-promotion is too much or your idea about the actual post itself. Um. More than anything, I feel like it's a bit confused. Yeah? Okay. Because it gets to the end and it says, um, and I've, I've got to open it rather than uh, put words into, um, I don't know this researcher, rather than putting words into their mouth. Don't get me wrong. It's fine to share and celebrate your accomplishments and milestones in responsible ways. Now, you could write a whole article unpacking the single word responsible in that context. What precisely yeah. is a yeah. responsible way? Now, the answer to that is I have no fucking idea. Um, it, does responsibility does that consist of a platform? Is it is are there places that are uncouth? Would Lady Agatha disapprove? <laughs> are there untoward promotion <laughs> methods? Maybe that's part of it. Uh, maybe maybe it's about scale or scope. You know. Like uh, I just I just got rewarded a person who's best at using the sandwich maker in the office, and in our first PhD office, that actually was a 
that actually was a title I enjoyed. I definitely made the best sandwiches. I sometimes made them for other people when I was in, yeah, that's, uh, that's worth celebrating. in a good mood. Yes. Now, is that worth celebrating? Well, I mean, it's funny. It's a stupid example. But we take that all the way up through silly internal awards, preprints, papers, big papers, uh, promotions, new roles, and then different ways of introducing them. Is it being mentioned in a conversation where you're asking people about how best to do your job? Are you looking for advice? Are you just telling people that you did a great thing? I don't know. I don't know how a certain sense of responsibility goes into this. So I don't really know what's being asked for there. Um, to cultivate an internal sense of responsibility and then go to that. Are people presumably already doing that? You would think so. Mm. Um, but let's get to the confusion. I mean, it starts off with, hey, the job market used to be shit. Now it's more shit. There's a little bit here that's a, I feel like it's a retread of my single contribution to the quitrature literature. Um, everything's not great. Mm. There are less tenure lines. There's less shit to do. There's less money. It's more competitive. And in this environment, I very much understand the need to push your own barrow. Okay. So now we've got to the point where we agree that some of it is necessary, but it should be tempered with a sense of responsibility. And it should not be assertively careerist. Now, put that into the perspective of how this game has worked for a very, very long time. There is a faculty, I think it's at Yale, where 60% of the people that they graduate end up becoming principal investigators at an academic institution. Okay. 60, six, zero percent. Now, is that through the amazing power of self-promotion? Is it because Yale is better than the Mits or the Harvards or the Browns or the fucking Stanfords or the, I don't know, Texas A&M, Ohio State University, Saskatchewan, Southern the Ohio Society State, for Inverted Basket Weaving. What? The Ohio State. <laughs> the the Ohio State. Yes. Yes. Um, one of the stupidest contributions to academic discourse in the history of words. <laughs> Fighting people to trademark the word the. I mean, so that's the self-promotion environment of the university itself. But we'll yes. leave that as a as a separate as a separate series of complaints. So We agree the fact that it's very difficult to get to work, right? And we agree the fact that it should be tempered with a undefined sense of responsibility. Fine. But now we all agree that the rest of us are not in these situations. Yes? The fancy university, the, the, the whatever local comparison to the Ivy League we, that we have, yeah, which is a very small amount of very fancy people with very nice cardigans, blah, blah, blah. The way that works a lot of the time, and I've seen it happen, is that when people are going on market, they have a supportive environment of talented people who have done this before. They see it as their job to move into that, at that point in time. Uh, at that point in time, they uh, acquire a new sense of responsibility, which is basically get grad student job 
make yeah. new collaborator, right? So I've seen PIs do this, talking to people. I've got someone who's coming on market. They, they want to do this. They're happy to move anywhere. Uh, the people start going through their networks. They start uh, getting invited to job talks. They start getting, getting things to review for editors that they can meet, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the way that it's often being done is not that you push your own barrow on the social medias in a way that is not responsible. It's that you are inculcated into a club of people, a small club that you and I are not in. And within the small club, things have a tendency to work out. Also, bear in mind, if 60% of people from one single lab are becoming PIs, I think we're going to agree that somewhere between sort of 25, somewhere between one in three, one in four people graduate from a PhD and very definitely think, well, I'm never doing anything like that ever again. Fuck this for a game of soldiers. Yeah, and at that point right. in time, it might be almost anyone that's left, like people who genuinely don't want to be in this environment anymore. I'm done. Gone. They go, and everyone that's left ends up working in academic, uh, a formal academic role professionally. Well, what's the difference here? Could self-promotion hold a candle to something like that? No, it fucking can't. So the, the gulf between what you can do for yourself and what you can do with a network of people that you develop is very, 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 very substantial. And it's not all about the quality of the work. It's... I, I see so many people who I think have done really good work. I had a conversation about this last week with a guy who does, he's a really, really good physiologist in my estimation, um, who is not enjoying the experience of the job market, which makes him in any reasonable summation of the whole thing right now, pretty typical. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know it's an, it's an isolating, annoying, and, seemingly endless experience for a lot of people but i mean it's also pretty fucking typical so i don't know i would give a lot of credence to an article about like how do we end nepotism how are we <laughs> how how do we how are we supposed to get past the environment where we do not have a genuine marketplace of ideas because there are people who have the ability to provide access to it, who will keep their people in it and you out of it. The same thing happens when uh, papers are reviewed at fancy journals. Well, this isn't really the topic du jour. It's not what we say is important. So we don't think it's interesting. And a lot of the time, that's the thing. Look, this isn't significant enough for us. Well, that itself, that's like trying to define what responsible dissemination of your own work is. That's awfully fucking woolly. Yeah. yeah? So think of someone who doesn't have these opportunities, who's put into this job market, and he's out there trying to hoist their own flag and then say, oh, it's incredibly untoward and uncouth. How could you? Talking about yourself the entire time. Uh, That strikes me as very hollow. Mm. Now, there is a piece of this that I do agree with that gets right to the end. And, you know, you don't need to trumpet every single successfully completed task, conference presentation, and financial windfalls of the world, especially if you are an established or tenured scholar. I think everyone could agree with that. Yeah. Right? 
Um, but I would go a little bit further and say that if that's what your plan is, then it's a bad strategy. Mm-hmm. I have I have ignored many people on social media whose contributions to it seemingly consist entirely of "I'm great," "I'm really good," "I've got a thing." <laughs> these the juniors people, or seniors? Both the people okay. who are most most interested, right? The people who are most interesting are the people who are using it to be a member of a community. That's what yeah, it's sure. about. Yeah, yeah, sure. People, so if all you do is talk every day about how amazing you are, nobody likes you. You are boring. Yeah. You are bringing nothing to other people. You are, you, you are, not, you are not a member of a community. You are essentially advertising. Yeah. And advertising without a center is just, it just doesn't work. It's just digital advertising at that particular point in time. It's not changing the nature of the product that you're selling, which is you. Basically, you're just trying to get as much interest as humanly possible. I'm only interested, I mean, I'm going to tell people if something really significant happens, I'm only going to tell people something if I think they'll find it interesting. And I think most people who are in the rabid self-promotion bucket, according to someone who can be this irritating about it, are probably people who are approaching it like me. Mm. So, I mean, it it gives you a very kids-on-the-lawn kind of vibe, something like this. Yeah. Um. The irony being, of course, is that relentless self-promotion out of the context of anything that's of any use to anyone else is probably pretty counterproductive. Yeah. Because the whole, all these relationships are about other people, you know? And what's it even supposed to do for you? It's not going to stack more of the accomplishments to tell people about them. I mean, a lot of the accomplishments are fucking fake anyway. <laughs> So, I I don't I don't know. There's a there's there's a line here. No one knows where to draw the line. And I think you could sum the entire thing up of it is better for you, and it is better for other people, if you confine your public conversations to things that are interesting to others. And there's probably a happy piece of a Venn diagram where everyone wins here. Yeah. Which is where what you're writing about that's your special stuff is presented in such a way that other people will find it interesting. Not just as a series of hyperlinks about how er great. So also frankly, I don't I don't see this. This feels to me like a very sort of like a reaction against the social media of 2006. You know? When I, when I see an evolved ecosystem where people in their 60s are writing uh, Mastodon private messages to each other to start collaborations, that's not the world that's being described here. No, no. It, it, it really isn't. And people who are sincere about it will often go, well, hey, social, social media in its broader sense has brought me a lot. I got into good fights in that Facebook group. Um, <laughs> I, I enjoyed, I, I went and did that, uh, that podcast with that person because I saw it being released on Instagram. Yeah. 
I was on the Everything Hurts podcast and one of my balls fell off. And, uh, six, you six, know, 50 guests so far. Yeah. Now they call me One Pack. Uh, <laughs> you know, the diminutive brother of Tupac, presumably. <laughs> Where did that come from? Um, people, pe- people are mature about this now. And I don't think people need to be told that nobody likes a reflexive, inveterate show off. Is that news to anyone? We're, we're 20 years into this experiment of talking to each other in digital space. And the whole idea of, it's all about me, it's all about me, it's all about me. If that's still not something that it's just come through to people is annoying. I don't know. There's probably a small core group of people that got this author's goat and, like, wound them up about, about something or other. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've often made fun of you for promoting your own stuff. And that's largely because of your face. It's not because <laughs> I think you're particularly egregious about it. Because in general, I mean, a lot of the stuff that you've done, you are quite a helpful person at the end of the day, no matter how annoying you are when you're doing it. A lot of the time <laughs> if you're developing resources and giving them away, I think you're doing it out of a genuine desire to see other people do a useful thing with what you've built. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't write a paper. You wouldn't bug me to write a paper with you about how do other people get into podcasting? What's the mechanics of this? You wouldn't write a guide to, like, there's no need to be scared of social media. It's just a regular thing people use to communicate. This is how you do it. You wouldn't write explainer papers. You wouldn't. I mean, you see opportunities in terms of lots of people will read this and that will make me a special boy. Right, because that's never going to go away. It is. It is. It exists to be seen and useful to others. But it's never entirely divorced from the idea of it's like if it's useful to others, it's going to be useful to me personally, and that's what really matters. You are actually trying to help people. Mm. So, I mean, that's my impression. Maybe you're a far more cynical little bastard than I ever gave you credit for, Daniel. (laughs) But I don't think so at this point. I really don't think so. Yes. Anyway, I've I've talked I've talked I've talked a lot about this and. I feel like I'm done with this now and that there is really nothing left in the well here. I, I, I don't really care about this a lot, Dan. You've just made me talk about it. I do think, <laughs> I, I, I do think that, that you made a good point in that the benefits that you get from, from going to Yale aren't that you're necessarily a better researcher. It's the networks that you get access to and the name that you get yes. access to. So, do you think do you think people go to Wharton Business School because they teach a class called Understanding Industrial Business Processes or something like that, where it contains knowledge that is not already in books and people that you can talk to on the internet and academic that. articles and to, is it is it really that? Is it is it really the like oh it's it's not it's to meet people it's to become part of an alumni network it's to become mm a classmate with someone that you see and solve problems and go through all this. If you took all of the things out, this is one of the reasons that, I mean, sometimes you see people say MBAs are great and online MBAs are fucking terrible, right? (laughs) Because it removes the social and affiliative elements of the degree. And especially at a professional degree like that, that's why you're going. That's the value. Yes. 
So what, what I'm getting at is the the benefits of, of, of going to these fancy places is the relationships. And if you use social media in a way to build relationships, that's that's where the benefit is. The, the benefit isn't you trumpeting your work all the time because that's boring and that's not necessarily helping people. But if you're posting stuff that's interesting or that you think are interesting to other people, you're almost um, mimicking the benefits that you get from from going to these fancy places. So I think that's a really good point to to think about this as a way of <laughs> am I annoying people? Because yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's almost like you kind of know it when you see it. But so I don't know. But it's just 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 mute people. Some people get a bit bit, bit too bit too chatty. I just mute them. Easy peasy. So yeah. But like, yeah, like you pretty said, much. I mean, I don't. I honestly don't know how you just get to You can you can big note and badger your way into actually getting sufficient profile to be able to, to get a job. I think the, um, the 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 work itself, as much as it it is a category of which we've occasionally been critical. The idea of just stacking wood over time for the sake of it um, is a far bigger problem than people talking about it in a way that other people will find irritating. Um, there's one more. Though, though I don't. I don't want to wear my. Um, <clears throat> I don't want to wear my social justice hat at a jaunty angle here. But we have to keep something else in mind. I think, and this is the last thing I'd like to say. And it's that these environments can be very exclusionary, and it means that it's it's difficult to get into fancy you. It's 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 difficult on the basis of the fact that you need extra resources to be able to get through the regular way. Uh, in the fact that legacy admission is still something in a lot of places, uh, is the fact that you're capable of having the time to network uh, and TA and do RA jobs if you have enough money to be able to support yourself over time. Yeah. And then when you get when you get to the end of that, and, you, and then people and then people cry about it. Oh, this is a this is a thing. What have what have we done with the diversities? Motherfucker, you set up a system that is designed to kind of shake a little bit of it out at every single tiered step along this. And you get to the end, you're, and you're part of this for 15, 20 years, and you get to the end, and then you, you bemoan the hypothetical circumstances that have befallen you. It's, it's very false. It's very sort of, you know, oh, I have absolutely no idea why we got here. I mean, this lab, I'm perpetually surrounded by people called Jeremy. How ever did this happen? Oh, save me. Fucking hell. So in, in an environment where some people will not get the opportunity to be on the big train with everyone else chugging up the mountain, what do you want them to do? Do you want them to build a time machine and go back and get different parents? You know, do you want them to wear a skin suit so they look a little bit more like, say, me? Probably with neater hair at uh, <laughs> an institution <laughs> like that. Um, you you're taking people without options and then you're saying, oh, the one option that's available to you, why can't you disseminate through it responsibly? Whatever the fuck that might mean. New that's topic. A, that's so spot on. Um, I'm going to I'm going to Leuven. I'm going to Belgium tomorrow, James. Have you been to Belgium oh, before? Oh, I love that town. Oh, yeah? yes. There's a great big market square thing um, right by KU. I'm going to KU. Um, I'm doing, I'm where there's all it. these there's all these bars that face onto the market square. Um, 
and there's there's many i mean when i was there i remember it was uh, it was nice and warm and uh they were all very reasonable so even as a grad student i didn't go particularly broke uh and they had they had a lot of really great beer the people were very friendly it's one of those cities where you could just go out and meet people cool. and be like it it felt it felt good it felt like a social place um it was also the very first city i ever managed to get a bottle of west flatron um don't bother with the stellar artois tour uh it's very substantial and industrial also is, is that, that it's based on weekends so it's still yes. based ah there you go okay. yes there is an enormous as you get into town if you get the train uh and you go past erps Kverps, the single best name of any place <laughs> in the whole world of the other shout out to shout out to the homies in erps i'm sure i'm sure there are hertzies in erps Kverps. oh what a brilliant name belgians should just name everything um <laughs> When you get right to the end of the line and you get off the train, the thing that you immediately see, the enormous building of doom, is the Stellar Artois Brewery. Ah, okay. Yeah. I have been to Leuven, weirdly enough, three separate times, uh, twice for conference stuff, and once just to be there and knock about because uh, it's the end of the line on the local train, and Belgium is... A perfectly civilized place to knock about in. Nice town. Yeah. The uh, the thesis defense is apparently in a castle. That'll be good. That's dope. Yeah. Combine that with the wow. the, the Finnish tradition of swords, and this could be a very interesting, <laughs> very interesting defense. Nice. There's Did so mean- much to be said. There's so much to be said for the idea of a thesis defense. I've come to the conclusion, and not simply because we the missed marking it, James. of my PhD, not we missed simply it. because the marking of my PhD was such a horror show that took such a long time. And eventually, when it was returned, there were very few corrections or, or, or anything that I had to make anyway, which was tremendously disappointing. It took them seven months to get me two days worth of work. And the idea. Yes, it was horrible. Um, it's horrible, and it was, financially it was extremely stressful um, because, you know, you come to a postdoc without a fucking PhD, and if they hold yeah. the marking up for a million years, there's only so many people you can harass over time. Um, <clears throat> people wonder why I have problems with authority. Holy shit. Seven um, months. Seven months. I didn't know this. I don't, I, I don't even think we spoke oh, about this. Oh, yeah, look, this is – I, 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 I because bemoaning my fate, I don't think is like in general, a lot of my problems are my own. I don't think it's particularly interesting to other people. Um, but, you know, that, that well is quite deep. Maybe there's a whole episode about all the horrible shit that happened to me over time, some point in the future. Um, but I think in exactly the same way that it's very, very satisfying to finish a paper and pre-print it and go there, the thing itself is done. The, the process is complete as opposed to the outcome is complete, which is the publication or the marking or the whatever else. I think it's very psychologically kind to have a thesis defense versus a marked thesis over time. I think it's a, it's a tremendous, even, even if it's a bit quiet, even if you just have tea and biscuits and you do it in some crappy little room at the side of the university, when, when it's over, it provides you with a tremendous sense of finality. And my version of that was getting an email in the middle of the night. And it's not the same. 
No. It's not the same. You have to do it for you. So the, the whole idea, you go to the castle, you talk about the thing, you prepare very hard, you're very nervous, but you have spent the last two and a half to four years, depending on how it works and your individual circumstance, getting ready to get past the thing. And serious people turn up and you are taken seriously and you have a conversation about everything you've done in a room where you are unambiguously the expert and other people ask a, a, a variety of impertinent questions and you answer them and eventually you get to the point where after quite some time you agree that this is in fact the end and then they say congratulations and everyone claps and someone hands you a glass of wine and you get to celebrate the end of the process i like that um, even if I didn't get a sword and a top hat, I would have taken that over <laughs> the shit I had to put up with. Because <laughs> a lot of people honestly, tell me- like, but for real, for real, obviously I would have infinitely preferred the sword. <laughs> um, to, it would be a toss up, um, you know? Well, James, you get a sword, but we're going to mail it to you. Like, oh, I'm going to have to think about it. Because <laughs> when I mentioned to people that in Australia, the thesis defense isn't a thing, the first reaction is lucky you and i'm like no no lucky no, you no <laughs> and no just- i promise you i promise obviously we know a lot of people who've done this we know more australian people who've graduated from universities than you no lucky you is this lucky a- you i promise you lucky you okay there may be a stupid question the reason that there's no thesis defense is distance correct back in the day it was too expensive or is it is there another tr- tradition i, I haven't actually Look into this. I, but I, assume- I think I think it evolved from the the fact that it was very difficult to organize a physical quorum of experts in, say, Townsville or Perth or Adelaide, and a lot of the time it was very very common for a very long time to have at least one person who was uh, in your committee that was exercising oversight from elsewhere um, and expecting them to fly from, say, New York or Dublin or Kiev to fucking Townsville. (laughs) (laughs) Shout shout out to Hertie's in Townsville. Yeah, that's 36 hours on a plane, man. For, and this, yeah. like, at that point in time, like you're only paying them $300 to mark the thesis. And you're going to add an extra $2,500 yeah. to get them there to do two hours work and immediately leave again. Times three. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, so okay. Yeah, and of course, multiple, and then multiple people. So, yeah. During, during the pandemic, um, most defenses were done online. It is possible. They certainly were. I, um, was I in- went to several when I was at Northeastern. I went to at least two where even within the continental United States, it was handled digitally. Yeah. Some yeah. of it was handled locally. Obviously, it's, it's, sometimes it's possible. It's possible in a city like Boston because there's an awful lot of universities within spitting distance. And, you know, sometimes people would come from, uh, I don't know, Indiana or Dallas or wherever, you know, somewhere it's a, it's a couple of hours, yeah? But you can probably get the whole thing done in a day. You get some plane work, you fly in, you have a good time. Maybe you stay overnight, you immediately fly out. It costs a couple of hundred bucks, it ain't much, right? But, yeah, even that apparently is a uh, was, was pre-plague 
too much time for people, which of course I completely understand. Mm. It's not your job. I mean, it's your job to make sure that the work is okay. It's not your job to provide a psychologically satisfying in-person experience for the person who's graduating. It's your point trying to get them over the line. So, yeah, I do not know why. I do not know why the marking process is still a thing like that. Because also, I mean, if you line by line your way through a thesis, my thesis had six manuscripts in it with an introduction and a conclusion. It's 141 pages. And that's not long. In some in some areas, that's long, but in general, they are longer, right? It's on the shorter side for area, for a thesis. Yes, but I mean, one of the reasons for that was at this point in time, you're asking someone to peer review six papers. Which have already been peer reviewed, not to say it's Which have perfect, already been peer reviewed. Yeah. Yeah? And your perspective on it and how it works and how all the pieces fit together and what it is. And, and rather than- <laughs> that's, an, that's an afternoon's work. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. A whole afternoon. Mm, yeah. I mean, it could take hours. Um, I, I feel like that is the expectation rather than just reviewing the whole thing in its entirety, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the oversight- the oversight over time, I didn't really have a strong committee of people who were helping with how all of this shook out for me. We had people who marked it and they were engaged at the end of the process. I didn't really have any oversight. It's not typical, but I had to do everything myself, yeah. more or less, uh, which is not something that I recommend unless you feel like your personality is congruent to mine, in which case, sorry. Um, it's not something I recommend at all. And you get to do it somewhere cool. That's fun. Yeah. I mean, how long is it going to take you to get to Leuven? Uh, two hour flight. Yeah. If you wanted to same day it, then that ain't no problem, right? Uh, uh, probably not. I'm overnighting. Well, it depends. Well, it depends on the timing. Yeah, yeah, if it was at lunchtime, right. if, if it was literally, if it was at lunchtime, I could, I could do it in the same day. But it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's in the evening, and there's, you know, you, you want to be there for the dinner. That's nice. Have a meal with with everyone else. Yeah, and you know, you're going all that way. I'll do. I'm going to do a bit of sightseeing the day after before I head back. Good. Yeah, but we don't. Look, come, I- come back to this it's- idea. Go on. Come out of this idea. Before I start complaining again, go on. Come, get, come your get your oar in. Get your oar in. Go on. Or me. Or we, me. We have seen that you can do defenses online. I wonder if places like Australia could actually introduce the, introduce the thesis defense by, and just, just doing it online. Doing it in person. I, re- I really don't know why they wouldn't. I really do don't mean? know why they wouldn't. Um, it's, something, it's something that should happen. And I think simply because it's become normal in a place that there's not a sufficient critical mass of people thinking, well, let's uh, let's not do it that way anymore. Yeah. Um. I mean, there's a there's a few hiccups with scheduling. It's going to be an early morning or a late night for someone, but it's just once. Yeah. Person. And. It's not like late nights and early mornings aren't part of the job, is it? Yeah. Shit, man. 
it's so the 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 I, I think that I mean we don't really consider the feelings of PhD students in general to be relevant, which is horrible, of course. I mean they're they're, they're treated as they're more similar to bees in many respects in a lot of departments. But yeah, in a lot of places, yeah. I, I'm sure we could stretch as far as like collectively as a sort of a global institution, providing them with a sense of finality for not even a job well done, but a job survived, a job endured. I think that would be good for people. And you get to have that moment. I wish I had had that moment. It would have been good. Yeah. So if there's any um, Australian University vice chancellors listening in, (laughs) 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 would you put Give it a go. Uh, yes. I, uh, what's, 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 that? what's the noble, noble laureate, ANU? What's his name? Schmidt? Brian Schmidt? I'm sure he listens to the show. Yeah, old Schmitty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's sending listener questions from way back, man. Well, on that note, we are going to wrap things up. Thanks, thanks for listening to the show. And uh, we're planning on doing a, um, a, Christmas, a Christmas special. We'll, we'll do a recording sometime after Christmas and between Christmas and New Year's and we'll we'll do a bit of a, a Christmas special. But thanks for listening. We'll be back again very soon.